What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Make sure to go to SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or find the show on Apple Podcasts by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on a beautiful Wednesday, November 15th in Boulder, Colorado, and I am joined by my friend and colleague and your friend, and he is the artist known as Matt Brown. Matt, what's happening, man? Hey, man. Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm on my second monster of the day. I got in from New York City a little after 2 o'clock in the morning last night, and uh, I think after the second one, I'm, I'm, I'm rebounding pretty well, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk some football and excited to talk some some stuff going on here because it's, it's been a busy past couple of days. The season's almost almost blown right by us. Yeah, the season's going really quick, and you've been a busy man. You traveled out to New York for your book event. How did that go? Yeah, I, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about that real quick. I want to thank everybody who came or showed some interest in uh, the New York City book signing event that was hosted with the um, Ohio State Alumni Club New York chapter. I will be partnering with them in January to do an event in D.C. And uh, if you know if that's something that you'd like for your club, uh, talk to your president. We'll, we'll we'll make it happen. If if you're within 400 miles, um, we we could probably make it work. I'm a member of the alumni club. They do uh, great work both with networking and with um, with fundraising. Like I've you know I've donated to the Ohio State Newark campus to help with scholarships, and uh, that that's a, a big part of what these chapters do. So if you're if that's something that if you're a part of that Ohio State family, um, I would encourage you to to potentially take a look at that. We also have another event coming up this Friday, and that's in Columbus. It is at 7 o'clock in the book lot at the Book Loft. That is in German Village. It's the best bookstore in Columbus. You should go in like make that a part of your routine anyway. Uh, I'll be there from 7 until around 8, 8.30. I'll be signing books. There'll be some books on sale. Some land-grant people are going to be there, and uh, I think we will go get beverages and maybe some wings afterwards. Um, so feel free to come by, say hello, tell me I suck. Like all, all of that's okay. Uh, I'd love to meet a lot of you, and uh, that's that is where I'll be. I'll, I'm going to be speaking in Ohio State earlier that day, and, and taking care of some stuff in Granville as well. So it'll be it'll be good to be back in the Buckeye State. Make sure to check that out. It should be a great networking event. And on the subject of networking, Matt, uh, somebody's going to have to change their LinkedIn profile down at the <laughs> University of Arkansas pretty soon here, don't you think? Yeah, I. Man, that was one hell of a segue. You you are a true radio series professional. I, I realize this is an Ohio State podcast, but I do want to quickly talk about this because I actually think it does touch on uh, Ohio State and, and, and some and some people that we hold very dear with Ohio State. So Jeff Long is uh, he's on the playoff selection committee. He is regarded in this business as one of the most influential athletic directors. And he uh, today is gone from Arkansas. So there's going to be a bunch of high-profile schools that are going to be looking for an athletic director, including you know Maryland, one off the top of my head, I think, but perhaps others in the Big Ten. So Long maybe could be a fit at those kind of places. But uh, more importantly, do you remember who the head coach is at the University of Arkansas? One Brett Bielema. Bert. I don't know if you've been keeping close eye on, on Bert's travels um, since, he, since he left his ancestral stomping ground in the Big Ten and went to the SEC, but... but um, He's mostly struggled. Hasn't gone well. No, and, and now that his benefactor and his, his boss is, is departing university, it, it does seem quite likely that our, that Burt will, will need to find a new job, leading to potentially several very interesting SEC openings um, this cycle. So 
I don't think Bert is somebody that's going to fall so far as to need to be need to go into the the Urban Meyer assistant coach rehabilitation tree. <laughs> Not that I think uh, Urban would hire Bert anyway, but this does raise the question: like Bert's going to coach again, probably. It seems like the place where he, he would have the most success, and where his personality and his offense and recruiting style and his whole je ne sais quoi is is best fit is back in the Big Ten. Do you miss Burt? Because I couldn't stand Burt when he was in Wisconsin, and now I want nothing more for him to come home. To be quite honest with you, I really do miss Brett Bielema, like, <laughs> like a lot. And I know he was – and he wasn't even really that much of a pain in Ohio State's ass when he was at, at Wisconsin. They only beat them that, that one year where they were ranked number one and Wisconsin went to the Rose Bowl. But other than that, like, pretty sure he was 1-5 against Ohio State. He, he doesn't really have that sort of – history against Ohio State at least on the field it was just the off off field stuff and in front of the camera stuff that really made Ohio State fans hate him but uh yeah I I miss Brett Bielema a lot and I'm interested to hear what your takes are about the head coaching opportunities in the Big Ten and kind of where he fits because we talked about this before we hit record and I don't disagree with you but I have a a kind of off the radar option and opinion of of what Brett Bielema's best uh best option for his future would be i i I, th- I think it's a fair a fair question um and and i i certainly agree like i part of the reason that i miss bert as an ohio state fan is he's this compelling personality but not somebody who's like a mortal threat to ohio state so i uh i i hope he comes back there's likely only going to be one big 10 position opening up this cycle a lot of the coaches are either relatively new or have, or have big buy-ins uh and that's probably at nebraska but uh, and you might see an opening in Illinois next year. I, I, I know we could talk about this more in a little bit. Like I, I, I would think actually getting rid of Lovey Smith would be justified for Illinois' sake, given the performances. Even though it's it's still relatively new in that tenure, but the the finances make that basically impossible. Do you think Bielema would be successful at either of those two schools? And if not, what is the what is the the, the Big Ten optimum home for a guy like that? Uh, you know, I think he would probably probably be more successful at Nebraska than he would be at Illinois, just just given the ethos of that program and what Nebraska fans kind of want, not only just in the program in general, but with, with their offense. I think that that would be a better cultural fit with how he likes to run the ball and, and so, sort of his style. And not that Nebraska and Wisconsin are similar jobs in the way that they're run, but I think there are some similarities with how the fans view their program and how they want their programs to go. So I would probably go with Nebraska over Illinois. I don't I don't know how much success that Illinois can really have in modern college football right now. Let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause I, I think I think that's a that's a really fascinating question. Like let, let's let's try to examine this job and I'm, I, I've lived in Illinois for a long time and uh, I, I, I have a little bit more familiarity I think with with how that state is set up right so Illinois is not a program that's ever really had consistent college football success there was a, a, a brief run in the the late 80s early 90s where they, they they were in the top 25 for a couple years in a row and there was one in the 50s you know they, they had a couple sporadic really great success with ray elliott but basically other than that it's it's been you know sporadic really good seasons followed immediately by really really bad teams like this is a team that's much more likely to, to win three games than, than it is nine throughout their history and their, their fan base reflects that i don't think any big 10 job is bad 
in the sense, like, I mean, in, you know, like bad, bad, because you're going to make more, you have more money than God coming in. You have like this $50 million television deal that's coming. You're, you're in an extremely famous conference. You're going to play against teams that everyone's heard of. And Illinois is in the weaker division. But I am, I'm also skeptical of, the, of that long-term growth. And, and here's why, right? Like, I think a lot of people look at Illinois and they think, hey, this is the, this is the state school in Illinois. Illinois has Chicago. Uh, Chicago's a big city. There should be good players there. Illinois should be good. Right, like you, you probably heard some variation of this argument before. Uh, all the time, and I don't, I don't think I buy it at all. No. So, l- it, w- number one, the city of Chicago is in fact very big, but it doesn't produce a ton of really good high school football players. Like the state of Ohio, far and away, produces more blue chip players than the entire state of Illinois. And I think the city of Cincinnati itself has typically has more blue chip players than Chicago does, uh, especially w- within the city proper. That's a great place for for high school basketball. And, and a couple of other sports, the the depth, the, the coaching depth of the high school ranks isn't really there. And it's also a place that is and kind of like Atlanta in the south or, or, or Nashville. It's increasingly a city of, of like Midwestern transplants. Like in Columbus, a lot of the people there are from Columbus or are you know, moved there from other parts of Ohio. But Chicago, you've got a lot of people from Chicago who are moving to the south or to the west and a lot of people from Detroit and uh, from Ohio and from uh, from the Twin Cities and all over the Midwest come to Chicago. So even when you have these pockets where you do have pretty good talent, like the western suburbs uh, and some of the the near southern suburbs of Chicago, like that, you know, that kid might be a Wisconsin legacy. That kid might be an Illinois legacy. Like there's no reason to think that they necessarily like automatically grow up Illinois fans. And Illinois is not that close to Chicago, and like half of this conference is two and a half hours from the city. So if we're going to count Illinois in that mix, like Wisconsin, depending on where you are, it might be closer. Purdue may be closer. Uh, Northwestern's definitely closer and is a better football program right now. So I'm, I'm really skeptical of a lot of those things. So if you don't, you don't have historical inertia, you don't really have uh, home run recruiting, you don't have uh, a, a, as big a, a demand of a, a, a fan base as a lot of these other schools have. You have lower expectations, and there's a path to succeed if you hire a good coach, but I think it might have one of the lower ceilings uh, among the Big Ten. Like, you, you make a good hire at Illinois, you win eight games for a couple of years, you make one random ass Rose Bowl and then he leaves, or you go, he goes 3-9 and, and, and you fire him. And that, that's, that's kind of what this gig is. I haven't seen anything from Lovey Smith, though, to make me think that that eight and four, eight, eight win season's coming. Well, and that's a good segue into Ohio State's opponent this week, which is the Illinois Fighting Illini, and they are showing off that very low ceiling this year. They're two and eight. They have lost their last eight games in a row. Currently, they're 112th in S and P plus, and by S and P plus, this is the worst team that Ohio State has faced all season, and that's including a Maryland team, which hasn't been very healthy all year and I think that they're at 96 right now and I'd be interested to see what Maryland would have been had they stayed healthy but this is by far the worst team Ohio State has played so is there any one thing that you can think of that they do that can even challenge Ohio State this week in this game you really have to squint their total offensive S&P plus ranking is 122nd it's near the very bottom of the country they're one of the worst offenses in terms of raw scoring in terms of finishing drives, in terms of efficiency, like like nearly everything is 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 near the very bottom. They can run the ball kind of okay. They absolutely cannot pass, uh, which is really a problem if you're facing a team like Ohio State, where you're likely to face big deficits uh, and need to throw the football. And really, the only thing that they seem to be above average at is limiting explosive plays on defense. 
but if you can get seven yards of carry on them every single time, like uh, which uh, the numbers that you probably can, and Ohio State's most recent uh, game against Michigan State shows they have the talent to do so, you don't really need to be especially explosive. They, they haven't, Illinois doesn't, hasn't had great quarterback play. You know, Jeff George Jr.'s thrown 10 picks. He's barely completing half of his passes. There's a reason, I mean, what is it? Ohio State's like a 38 and a half point favorite. And while I'm always a little bit conservative about covering those gigantic spreads, just because you never know emotionally uh, what kind of team you're going to get with college students in terms of like the talent disparity and, and what we've seen. And with this being senior day, this is the last day that a lot of very decorated um, seniors are going to play in Ohio Stadium. I think that they're going to they're going to want to show up. It's, it's really hard to talk me into Illinois is a legitimate threat to beat Ohio State. Illinois is a legitimate threat to keep this within three touchdowns. Um, maybe, but <laughs> I don't even know about no. that. To be quite honest with you, thirty-eight points is is a lot, and we tend to stay on the more pessimistic side on this podcast whenever there's a big point spread like that. But man, this Illinois team just even the stuff they do well, they don't even really do that good. And like you mentioned, they're so dreadful at stopping the run. They can limit explosive plays, but you're going to be able to move the ball efficiently on them. And Ohio State is the best team in the country at moving the ball efficiently on the ground. So you would assume that this is going to be another big day for the running backs. You would hope that this isn't a game where JT Barrett has more than like eight or nine carries. And we see Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins kind of carry the load. We'll probably see a lot of Antonio Williams in the second half of this game. And I'm interested to see if Ohio State kind of sticks with that power run game that they really showcased last week against Michigan State. And as far as other things go, I think the the major thing that I'm looking for, and this is something that Patrick and I talked about in the recap podcast on Saturday after the Michigan State game, is how big of a, a piece that Tough Borland plays at middle linebacker again. He's listed as a co-starter. Urban Meyer brought him up earlier this week in his press conference saying that, that he's a guy that kind of mans the, the middle and is a stud there. And we saw how effective he was there in the middle and moving Chris Worley outside. And it looks like Jerome Baker is going to play. Dante Booker's questionable right now. But uh, I, I'm interested to see if, if Tough Borland kind of takes those snaps at middle linebacker again because, at least from my point of view, that is when Ohio State's linebackers are, are most effective when he's in the middle and then Worley and Baker on the outside. This would be a good game to do that, I think. I, I have some questions about Borland's ability and coverage. Uh, I mean, honestly, I was a little bit surprised <laughs> to see him so uh, up top in the, um, the rotation to begin with. But Illinois is not a team that you have to worry about uh, schematically like you do with Michigan State and Iowa with, with their linebackers, uh, uh, I mean, their tight ends, uh, you know, abusing, abusing you in coverage. Like here, you, 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 you want to – you can you can downgrade that a little bit and give him some more playing time to give you some more, you know, flexibility for the next two games on, on the schedule. So I, I'm interested to see what they end up doing with Baker, what they end up doing with Borland. Like it's nice that there seems like you've got six or seven options there and potentially more coming in. For, for for this recruiting class. Ohio State, real quick, does not technically clinch the Big Ten East with the win over Illinois, but they almost definitely do. If they beat Illinois and, like, if Penn State or uh, Michigan State win one more game or if Wisconsin beats Michigan, then Ohio State owns all the tiebreakers. So we should know by the end of this game, if, if not if not before um, if if it's if it's set, so you don't have to worry about potentially missing on a chance of Big Ten title if the Buckeyes lose to the Wolverines. Although a chance at the playoff would be 
uh, will be out the, out the door. Let's get to the most important thing about this game, and that's the Illibuck Trophy. This is the only rivalry trophy that Ohio State plays for, and I want to know your thoughts on the Illibuck. I want to know what your favorite Big Ten trophies are and why the Illibuck isn't one of them. Okay, all right, let's be honest here. The Illibuck sucks, <laughs> and it's 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 a it's it's a bad everything. And 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 here and here's why, right? A trophy. And even though we have ridiculous trophy inflation in the Big Ten, it's one of the one of, one of the biggest problems with the conference. But a trophy should dictate uh, as a reward for a rivalry game where both teams are emotionally invested in the outcome and play regularly, and it's like a thing. If Ohio State decided to create a trophy with with the Penn State game, I think that would be wholly appropriate. That's a rivalry. It's not Ohio State Michigan. It's a game that Ohio State and Penn State fans are both very emotionally invested in. It has uh, historic and like import on the standings. It's often very evenly matched. They recruit the same kind of players. That will be fine. Um, Ohio State and Illinois aren't in the same division. They've never played every year. Um, they played almost every year. Um, but uh, this is, uh, one, it's, it's not a series that's competitive. Ohio State... Um, has the all-time lead on Illinois, 67-30-4. Um, Illinois has won this game once in the past decade, and outside of a, a brief run in the 80s, uh, when I, they had like a winning record against Ohio State from like 83 to 93. It's been Ohio State dominant uh, pretty, much, pretty much going away after World War II. Um, and a lot of these games aren't even close. Um, Illinois hasn't kept this game within a touchdown um, since 2007 when they won. It was within a touchdown in 2006, uh, and then it was basically blowouts going away as long as I've been alive. Like, th this this has been, on paper, like, a, a bigger mismatch than almost any other series within the Big Ten since you and I remember watching Ohio State football. So so why why devalue it with the trophy, especially now since Ohio State doesn't play in Illinois every year? Like, it's a turtle. That's cool. Uh, if Ohio State Maryland played for a turtle, like that, that might that might make some sense. Like, oh, sorry, you don't get to call yourselves terrapins anymore. Now you're the University of Maryland commuters, you know, the the University of Maryland, uh, you know, suburbs or something. But but to do it for a game that no Ohio State fan really cares about, and a lot of even Ohio State fans don't really care about this trophy, is uh, is, is is too bad. I did not know this was this was a thing until I played like NCAA football 2011, <laughs> and the trophy showed up. I'm like, hmm, how about that? Because, like, as a kid, nobody ever talked about it. I, I completely don't disagree with you at all. Like, I, I don't mind the Illibuck, but it's it's a it's a 32-pound piece of wood that's a turtle. Like, if they played for a live turtle like they used to way back in the day before it died after two years, like, <laughs> I, I, would, I would appreciate that because at least you'd be playing for a live trophy. But in terms of its standing over other Big Ten trophies – I have a list of my top three Big Ten trophies right now, and I think you're going to see a theme of this and see why they're so much better than the Illibuck. So at number three, I got the, I like the Florida-Rosedale map between Minnesota and Iowa because anytime you can play for a brass pig, I think you got to do it, especially since you're in Big Ten country. Uh, number two, the Little Brown Jug. I don't know what your opinions are about the Little Brown Jug between Minnesota and Michigan, but I've always been a big fan of that. And like, if, if you're a Minnesota fan and get married to a Michigan fan, and you don't have a little brown jug cake as your wedding cake, like, what are you even doing? <laughs> and then it, number one, it, it's got to be the bits of broken chair trophy. 
between Minnesota and Nebraska. Like neither school acknowledges it officially as a trophy, but uh, to me, that's precisely what makes college football so great. And I think it's a fantastic trophy. And Minnesota has it now after beating Nebraska, what fifty-five to twenty-four last week. So wherever it is, I hope Minnesota fans are enjoying their plethora of trophies because it seems like every every game they play in the Big Ten, there's a trophy involved because they also play for the slab of bacon trophy with Wisconsin, which I didn't know was a thing, and also the Paul Bunyan's axe with uh, Wisconsin. So a lot going on between uh, just Minnesota in general when it comes to trophies. What do you think of the Paul Bunyan trophy, though, between Michigan and Michigan State? Um, I think it's a little bit ugly, but I, I think that's a game that, that should have a trophy. Like, Let's talk about the bits of broken chair again real quick. I love that. And I, and I I am against trophy proliferation, but to have a good trophy, it should be something ideally that's organic. You can't force it, right? We have the like the um the the little the little brown jug wasn't wasn't forced. It was because Michigan's coach was like a weird psychopath and was convinced that Minnesota was gonna poison the water and then left his jug and you have like this really funny myth and then great like that's we 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 we, we can we can keep that floyd of rosedale same thing plus it's very on brand for the big 10 and this was something that a bunch of weirdos on the internet invented and the big 10 ought to just let reddit or let college football twitter figure out that the rest of these the rest of these games that have trophies and it'll be something that that like the players then actually care about which is great which is not like nobody cares about the heartland trophy or the Heroes Trophy, or the Freedom Trophy, or like you know this 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 baloney uh, stuff that, that 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 gets forced. The only the only other one that I like is the hat, the Land of Lincoln Trophy, and it's just because it looks stupid, um, and because Illinois Northwestern is like only kind of a rivalry. Um, but if we're going to make a gratuitous trophy, it should it should be something ridiculous. Um, and a hat, a hat is appropriate, I think. Back to the yellow book. I think if it were, I, I said it, if it were a live trophy, that'd be cool. But also, like, if it were either solid platinum or gold, just something completely garish, like, then maybe it would work. And, and on the subject of that, uh, Ohio State released some new uniforms for the Michigan game next week. And these are basically a, a sibling of the Penn State uniforms. If you haven't seen them yet, go on to landgrantholyland.com, check out the posts. You can buy the jerseys we have a link to to all of the the new gear that they've put up in addition to these jerseys and they're basically just all white with the penn state helmets and uh i like these i, I like them too um I, I know that traditionalists are really against the idea of an alternate uniform in general especially for michigan like i wouldn't hate it if it was color on color you know uh scarlet and blue um, for, the, for that game, kind of like um, USC and UCLA do. But, it, you know, if you're, if you're not going to do that, the helmet looks awesome on TV. The, the LeBron shoes are great. I'm a fan of the cocaine whites, personally. It's, 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 not, it's not a bad look. It'll look good on TV. The kids seem to really like it. It's not worth me investing emotional energy to be mad online about. No, no, not, not at all. And we had somebody in our mentions the other night that said it wasn't news, that it was only it's only news when Ohio State drops alternate uniforms because we make it news and we want clicks, which like, yeah, you caught us. We do want your clicks, but uh, no shit. Please continue <laughs> to click on our website. Like, I, I, I am actually, I, I do actually want that. Feed Matt's family. Click on landgrantholyland.com. <laughs> um, Just keep pounding refresh. To to wrap this up here, it's not a, a big slate of games this week. There's not a lot of huge matchups that we've seen in the in the prior two weeks that have big college football playoff 
implication Michigan plays Wisconsin. But to me, the, the big theme of this week is that it's the week of the group of five matchups because there's a lot of really fun under-the-radar games. You got SMU-Memphis. That's going to be a really fun game. UCF and Memphis are kind of on a collision course right now to the AAC title game. And UCF really destroyed Memphis earlier in the season, but that's their only loss. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Memphis come back and nip them and kind of screw them out of the New, the new Year's Six when it when we get to that AAC title game. You also have Fresno State and Wyoming. Both of those teams are 7-3. and three. Jeff Tedford is doing really well in the Valley, and I know that I didn't expect that, and I don't yeah. think a lot of people did early or did either and they're they're top 30 team in S&P plus they're like 24th right now so he's doing a really good job and then you have FIU and FAU playing for the Don Shula trophy which is really ugly if you google image that one <laughs> both of those teams are seven and three and like Lane Kiffin's <laughs> causing up a storm right now so uh FIU FAU you, you got a lot of really fun G5 games and even Notre Dame Navy which like Notre Dame's coming off an ass kicking last team you want to play after a game like that is Navy no, I mean, like, I think Navy's beaten them, like, four out of the last 11 or four out of the last 10 times. And, and a couple of those Notre Dame wins have been really close. Like, this, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame's defense is, is much better this season and should be able to handle them. But do you enjoy watching Notre Dame sweat uh, with the, uh, against the star kids and the troops? Um, that's always a fun game. I'm not going to be able to watch very much because I'm actually uh, Ohio State, Illinois. I'm going to be – I'm going to be – this is actually my, literally my first time at Ohio Stadium since I graduated back in 2009. Um, I've only watched and covered Ohio State on the road since then. So this is this is going to be, I think, a fun experience here for me, selfishly. But this, I mean, this is the this is the SEC SoCon Challenge. So uh, a lot of games are going to be crummy. The noon shift is very interesting, not just with Michigan, Wisconsin. We got Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia Cavaliers, and they're really good defense against Miami in that noon shift. And uh, it's it's weird that this game technically actually matters a lot. But Minnesota and Northwestern matters because if Northwestern loses, they drop out of the top 25. That hurts Wisconsin's schedule um, um, because the playoff selection committee cares whether you be a currently ranked top 25 team. Um, so it's in the best interest of the Big Ten to keep those kind of fringe teams like Northwestern and Iowa propped up in there as much as possible. Dicasso, you know, de facto helps Ohio State a little bit. But other than watching the Buckeyes, which I think you should watch, even if this game is going to be, uh, should be an ass kicking. You know, you never know. This is college football. We both thought Iowa was going to be an ass kicking too. Um, it's worth watching because this is the last chance you're going to get to see JT Barrett and Jamarco Jones and 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 uh, a, a bunch of really great defensive linemen and some people who are Billy Price and some really integral people to this program play in Ohio Stadium again. Um, and you don't, you know, you, don't, you the players' careers at Ohio State are short, uh, and I, that's increasingly true as more and more of them are being recruited with the NFL in mind to people who are expected to just be here for three years. So when you get those chances to to watch those really special players, uh, savor them, even if they're not always necessarily competitive games, because you never know, someone might drop 200 yards rushing again, um, and that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's crazy to think how how quickly it goes, and it, it feels like JT Barrett's been around forever, and he kind of has. But this morning, I saw that Dame Webb is a senior. Like I, I, I totally didn't realize that because it just felt like he signed with Ohio State just the other day, and to see how quickly it kind of goes is really crazy. And we'll see that next year too with a guy like Nick Bosa, who's already going to be out of the program after three quick years. Uh, final stuff before we wrap up here. I feel like we have to hit that last night Ohio State 
was uh, named the ninth team in the college football playoff rankings. So that's something you can read on the website, what we think about that and whether or not Ohio State is a long shot. Me personally, I think that the only thing they really have to do right now is just focus on winning the games that are in front of them. They'll win this week. Michigan next week on the road certainly isn't a lock, and then you would assume that unless something crazy happens, they will play Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. So if they take care of business, I think that things may fall their way. They may not, but at the same time, this is a team that gave up 55 points to fucking Iowa the other week, so like they just need to take care of their own business and, and win games, and everything else will take care of itself. I do not begrudge anybody else that writes about the playoff rankings or talks about them or, or, or believes that they're important like I'm, I'm, I'm not here to throw shade at anybody else I don't care if Ohio, Ohio, Ohio I, I, the only newsworthy thing here for for me because these gonna change it every week and the rationale changes a little bit is what we'll see what happens if they win the conversation in two weeks is going to be much more interesting than where the conversation is now especially because a bunch of weird upsets in like the 2025 range can actually it has the of those top eight teams but TLDR we'll write about this more this week Ohio State's in a, as good a position as you could possibly want for a team that has two losses, both of them blowouts, and one of them being to Iowa. Yep, and the last thing before we get out of here, because I didn't get it in earlier when we were talking about Brett Bielema, I think he's a fit in the Big Ten, but if you're going to look for a program that he may end up with, my guess would be Kansas State, since he was he coached under Bill Snyder for a couple of seasons. He was a co-defensive coordinator at Kansas State. Bill Snyder's going to be 79 next season. This is probably his last year. And if you're looking for a program fit, I think that Brett B would really be a nice fit in Manhattan. What do you think? He, he should certainly be on their short list. Um, Brent Venables, I think, will, will certainly be on there as well. There's a couple other bigger name, either assistants or bigger name coaches that have Kansas State ties. That's a hard job, though, man. It, it, you know, it, 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 I, hope, I hope it pays nice because who knows what conference Kansas State's going to be in, in five years. Um, let alone trying to recruit. I mean, there's a reason that, that school has been perennially terrible uh, when Bill Snyder has not been the coach. But we can talk about that more later when we get into the coaching carousel uh, in the next week or two because some people are going to get fired this weekend and some people are going to get double mega fired in two weekends. Uh, and then we'll talk about what that means for Ohio State because undoubtedly Ohio State assistants are going to be on those short lists, what it means to the Big Ten and what it means for you, the listener, for a little bit. Thanks so much here for, for taking some time to listen to us Um Real quick, once again, if you're still hanging on here by a thread at the end of the podcast, this Friday, Columbus, Ohio, The Book Loft, 7 p.m., I will be there. Copies of What If, A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions will be there. Your pals from this website will be there. We'll, we'll sign books. We'll make jokes. We'll, we'll, we'll go get beverages. It'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll watch Ohio State probably be doing Illinois by a lot of points. So I hope to see you there. Yeah, go do it and make sure to meet up with Matt. I can promise you that it'll be fun and it'll be much better than this podcast. But we want to thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check out the show at soundcloud.com slash Land. Also subscribe to the show by going onto Apple Podcasts and searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. And until next time, for Matt Brown, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.